I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You can feel it in the air. Even though the cup has been handed out, it's silly season. It's so exciting. The draft, free agency, and then sayonara to Cool and Craig as we will be gone for a long, long time, as Kramer <laughs> once said when he was talking about the kid that threw the balloon out the window. Okay, episode 80, Craig, the significance of Mike Greer, most famous for being an Edmonton Oiler, part of the upset team of 97. Sorry about that. Um, so Mike Greer, GM of the San Jose Sharks, one small step for Mike, but a giant leap, you could argue, for hockey kind. Yeah, no question about it. And and you think about Mike. I mean, Mike was a was a competitive player. He's a competitive person. He's an intelligent person. And you know, it, it it's not a situation where you wouldn't have Mike Greer be a strong candidate for any number of GM jobs. I mean, that that's the bottom line. So the San Jose Sharks, you know, end up getting Mike, you know, Steve, I watched them at St. Sebastian's High School. St. Sebastian's High School, I don't know how many years ago. I watched him at BU. Won a national, he was a big part of the national championship team. We know what he did in the NHL. I mean, he was he was a player that he knew his job and he knew how to do it well. I don't think it's going to be any different as a manager. <laughs> And, you know, his brother, obviously, is the GM of the uh, Miami Dolphins. His father was a longtime uh, player personnel director in the NFL. So, so Mike not only has the requisite uh, qualities to be a GM, he also has some great resources to tap into. And, and that's not just talking about in his own family. I mean, Chris Drury is a good friend of his. I mean, he can tap into Chris Drury, who's the GM in, with the New York Rangers. And there's any number of people that Mike can tap into you know, to, for, for guidance. And I think it's just a, just a great hire for the San Jose Sharks. And, and obviously to have the first black GM in the history of the national hockey league, it, 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 that significance is, is even bigger. And again, you, you know, the same, if they could see it, they can do it. And I think that he'll be uh, a real, not only a role model, but he'll be uh, somebody that people can look to and say, I can do that. There's no reason they can't. Well, he was teammates in Edmonton with Billy Guerin and maybe his situation going into San Jose similar to Billy Guerin. He had to make tough decisions, Billy, uh, get rid of, you know, big contracts and, you know, tweak the club and try to be good, smart, uh, tweak, rebuild all at the same time. Mike Greer said it's not a rebuild, but he's got three massive contracts on the back end. 
They got money spent up front. They'll have to make another decision on a uh, forward one year left on his contract. So if he's not rebuilding, you can't be half pregnant. This is, he walks into a job that I might say is the, t I might rather walk into team 33 where you're the GM and I'm your assistant and we're the Quebec Nordiques and we don't have anybody under contract and we start from scratch. San Jose, this is going to be a tough tweak, Mr. Button. Where does he start? So, so, so there you go. So let me ask you this. Like, what, 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 what does a GM want to go into? Like a situation where you have core players and your salary cap, lots of salary cap. Every situation is unique. Every situation comes with its own challenges. So I would ask you, do you want to go to do you, ahead of like Julian Breesbaugh? Do you, do you want to go to Tampa Bay? This is a team that's won two Stanley Cups, fell short this year. Got to make some tough decisions. You think that's easy to do? You think it's easy to have a conversation with Ryan McDonough? You think it's easy to look at what you got to do? Every situation is unique. So Part of where Mike comes from with respect to understanding the league is that he can look at it and go, okay, this is the challenge in front of me. So it's not a rebuild. Okay. Rebuild. I always just think of a rebuild as something you're going to tear down. The wrecking balls come in, you're going to tear it down. Arizona is a rebuild. So, you know, how, well, what is a rebuild? I mean, a retool, what are they going to have to do? Mike's, Mike's like, you know what? He's like every other GM. You're going to have to make tough decisions. When Billy Dearing went into Minnesota, he wasn't, I don't think, thinking about buying out Suter and Parisi. But as he got in there, he said, I got to do this. He understood the ramifications. And with every, with every scenario that a GM is faced with, and whatever decision he takes, there's going to be consequences. It's going to be no different for Mike. I mean, you talk about the big contracts. They just signed Hurdle to a long-term contract, right? So, you know, part of part of the challenge for the for, for Mike and the San Jose Sharks is, you know, how do you deal with players that are a little bit older and, and really having a tougher time for their contracts to be commensurate with their productivity on the ice? That, that, that's the problem. So you want to re you're not rebuilding. What are you doing then? Trading water, trying to keep your head above water, <laughs> like you know, trying you're trying you're trying to get to shore at some point in time, but you might not be able to get to shore for two years. <laughs> what are you going to do? So I think that's where Mike finds himself. It's not easy, but no, I don't think it's any different for any GM in the league. So his is a tough job, and he needs a coach. That's the last coaching job available. The coaching carousel. Other than San Jose with Bob Bugner is over. Any idea what he might do? And to me, the most intrigue maybe, well, there's a lot of intrigue. I, who would have thought at the end of the day that Paul Maurice would come back? Who would have thought at the end of the day Rick Bonus would end up in Winnipeg? Who would have thought at the end of the day Barry Trotz wouldn't be coaching in the league this year? John Tortorella in Philadelphia, uh, Peter DeBoer goes to Dallas, and our buddy Bruce Cassidy in Vegas. I, I, I found this carousel one of the greatest rides. I, I'd like to say, Dad, can I buy another ticket? Can I get back on that roller coaster, that carousel? Because... That, that was something. That was a spinoff show. If it, if it was uh, an old show we used to watch, Mary Tyler Moore, that's like Lou Grant or Phyllis or The Love Boat. Everyone gets their own show, Craig. I thought the coaching carousel was a great show this year. It, 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 it was. And, and, for, and keep this in mind about Mike. I think this is a really important aspect. He, can, he played for a lot of different coaches. He played on teams that were coaches recognized what the different players can contribute and add to the team for team success. So Mike, Mike has a really good feel for that. It's not about just this coach or that coach. You'll hear lots of names, right? Mike understands it. I think that's a real benefit for, for Mike going into San Jose. He, we, we know that Mike was a rugged winger, 
played hard, you know, bared down on you, but he recognized the skill on a team. He recognized that the teams are made up of a lot of different elements and he wants a coach. I'm not like, I'm like, you know, I haven't talked to Mike Greer, but I know this, he'll want a coach that can, you know, integrate all the different players so that the team can be so strong. And I don't think there's any question that that's what he's going to be looking at. Because when you look at Mike's career, think about Mike. I mean, somebody had to say, you know what? We think that you can be this type of player for us. And then they let him be that player. Mike doesn't want coach. He's not going to want a coach that's going to, you know, just be narrow-minded and, and try to put square pegs in round holes. So I think it'll be very interesting to see what he ultimately does here with respect to hiring a coach. And the, the, he'll, he'll consider experienced coaches, but don't be surprised if there's a coach that you might be considering that comes with no experience in the NHL. Maybe a Marty St. Louis type. Ah, okay. That's Mike Greer and the coaching carousel. The draft. Here we go. We're at the top of the order. We've talked about it for a long time. We know how you feel about Shane Wright, Uri Slavkovsky, Logan Cooley. Montreal says they don't know what they're doing yet. I call, you know what, on that. They, they have to know. Any chance it was a trial balloon just to let people in Montreal know that if they don't take Shane and take Uri Slavkovsky, we warned you. It, it, what's this little charade that Kent Hughes is doing? This little song and dance here. Feels like you're walking down uh, Atlantic City, the boardwalk, and there's some of those magicians out front doing the old uh, do, 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 do. So what do you make of all this, Watson? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, I mean, they came out the other day. They said they're considering three players with the number one pick. Well, that's a surprise. Like, whoa. Who? <laughs> like, and then they mentioned the three players. Whoa, no kidding. Really? Like, really? Okay. So what are you telling us, right? And I, I think your premise is really, really good. I think that, the, you know, hey, you know, we might take this player, we might take that player, right? And, you know, it's so interesting for me. I'm going to go two angles here. I keep hearing about 1980 and Doug Wickenheiser and Denny Savard went three. I keep hearing about it. I keep hearing about it. You know what? 1980 was a long time ago. And the scouts that made that pick, okay, selected a player that had scored 81 goals. <laughs> he was a big, strong centerman. And it, it, I think Doug Wickenheiser is a great example of you're drafting the players that have been the best players at the levels below them. And, and sometimes they don't, it doesn't translate to the NHL. They, they struggle for whatever reason. And, you know, he, what are you going to do? Say, oh, geez, uh, I don't know what they were doing. He'd only scored 21 goals. He, 81 goals he had, right? So what happened? Danny Savard comes in and Danny Savard is, and they go oh, in the backyard. If you want to keep fighting the 1980 war, and I keep hearing this coming out of Montreal, not from Kent Hughes or anything, but I keep, you better stop it. You know what? Because you know what? Like Logan Cooley's a really good player. He ain't Danny Savard. Okay. He ain't Danny Savard. But, but, but it, it, they keep, oh, well, you know, maybe we should take taken Danny Savard. Stop fighting that war. Fight today's war. <laughs> there's different technology. There's different battleground and everything. So I, I get what they're doing. I like, you know, trying to say, hey, these are the three guys. We're, we're, I think they want to have suspense going into the, into the pick too. Hey, listen, is there any greater atmosphere than the draft? And certainly you're the team with the first pick in your home city. Why wouldn't you want suspense to build up? So, you know what? They may know. They may not know. They may be going down to the wire here. I, I'm, I'm with you, Steve. You, you, I think you should know. But keep building up the suspense. I am sure that we're going to hear all kinds of reports while they're leaning towards Slepkowski or they're leaning towards Cooley or they're leaning towards Wright. That's just all part of the suspense. That's what makes it all fun, isn't it? Isn't that what makes it all fun? 
Yeah, like, I guess we haven't know. had to uh, step up to the microphone and make an announcement uh, like Taylor Tyler in uh, 2010. At that point, yep. we didn't know if it was Taylor Hall or Tyler Sagan. Uh, we can argue uh, over history, what was right, what was wrong, or in many cases, you can't go wrong either way, you know, in that situation. You know, you want a winger, you want a centerman, who's had a better career, who's better now, all those types of things. So having intrigue is good because we didn't have intrigue in, you know, the Matthews draft or the McDavid draft and, you know, I think over the last few years as well. So having intrigue is great. So just some quick kind of Cole's notes on, you know, some other things overall on a, on a draft scale, like this isn't 79, it's not Oh three, it's not 2015. What would you call this draft? I've heard people say it's an average draft, maybe a slightly above average. How do you, how do you characterize it? Well, I'm going to turn the question back to you. Like what, what's an average draft? What's an above average draft? I guess an above average draft is where the first round is stacked with what's going to be NHL players who are very good. And then in the later rounds, as it drops off and they all do mathematically, there's still some gems in this, maybe in the second or, or third round. And the talent is spread pretty good would be an above average draft. Exceptional is every first rounder is going to play in the NHL. There's it goes deep. Guys will Shea Theodore will get to the second round, and others, you know, some Bergerons and Kucherovs end up going to the in the second round. So I would say that you know, average is not, not that. Stop there for a second. Shea Theodore went in the first round. Shea um, Shea Weber. Oh, sorry. Okay. Shay, Shay Weber. Sorry. I meant okay. Shay Weber. Okay. Yeah. 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 Weber <laughs> okay. went in the second round, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, yeah, he did. So, so you're right. Okay. So you, you talk about the 03 draft, go back and look at the first round. Let's go back and look at it. Corey Perry went 28th. He went 28th. There's a lot of teams that made big mistakes in front of him. And I, we all know what the 03 draft, Bergeron, Weber and everything, right? Go look at the top 10. Let's go look at the top 10. Listen, Braden Coburn was a really good serviceable NHLer. A lot of better players taken after him, right? You know, you you, you can look at it, and 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 this is there's a hype to a draft. I think a lot of hype ends up because of who's number one and what's the top end of the draft, McDavid and everything. There's there's real quality in this draft, real quality in this draft. There's real depth in this draft, and we're going to be talking in five years' time about players taken later in the first round, in the second round, third round. That, that, that's going to happen. I can guarantee you that. But so much of the time, a draft gets just focused in on the top end. And like, oh boy, oh well, it doesn't have a Connor McDavid. Yeah, well, most drafts don't have a, a Connor McDavid. Unless your name is LaFleur or Lemieux or Crosby or McDavid. Yeah, you're right. They don't have, they don't have a McDavid. <laughs> like, we, we get it, right? This is the bottom line for, for a draft. So there's good players in this draft. I'm telling you, you know, we, we don't even talk about Kemmel and Cutter Gauthier and Karamaki and Juracek and Nemitz and all. They're all good players. They're all, like, to me, they're all going to have a chance to be really good NHL players. But nobody talks about them. No, well, so, why, so maybe what we should ask is, why don't they talk about them? Well, because the sexiness of a draft is always at the top end. And I, I think this year, Montreal, draft in Montreal, first overall pick. <laughs> like, it's kind of fun. It's kind of like it's a lot of fun. I don't know how much fun it is for, for uh, uh, the players, you know, waiting to see who's going to go first overall. But I think it's pretty fascinating that you have the, you have the draft in Montreal with the team that has the first overall pick. I, I think in and out. But Steve, I'll tell you this, you're going to do the draft and everything. When people start telling you that a draft isn't very good, 
it usually tells you that they don't really know what they're talking about. Right. Or know those other players that you talked about that are. That's what I mean. They don't know it. (laughs) They don't know it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And, and, and they don't know some of those Slovakian or Swedish leagues or see them on a daily basis where in just some of the film that I uh, watched there, you look at it and say, those buildings are packed. These kids are great. They're making great plays. And it's just a different league just because it's far, far away. Doesn't mean Nick Lidstrom, Pavel Datsuk, uh, they don't exist. The, 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 they exist in this great global game that we call the National Hockey League. Getzlaff went 19 and Perry went 28. Getzlaff was playing in Calgary in the Western Hockey League and Perry was playing in London in the Ontario Hockey League. Trust me, Steve. They don't know the players in North America. so there are some rumblings about the devils wanting to make a big splash in many different ways free agency trading a goalie and the number two pick so if the rumors and look everyone calls i mean you don't say i i i I phoned edmonton i asked if 97 was available and then they hung up on me so yes did i inquire about 97 yes i did did it go anywhere no it didn't so montreal and the second pick rumblings of their other first round pick josh anderson and then something else and then somebody talked about caden gooley i I would think that caden gooley would make that too one-sided like if i'm the devils i'd probably make that trade maybe the option of moving the pick to next year and protecting it against connor bedard if it was first overall but then the rest of the draft is not protected going one two would create a great buzz and a great splash are the devils that interested like Josh Anderson, another first round pick and a piece. Does that intrigue you if you are Larry Bertuzzi and you're the independent arbitrator trying to make this a balanced trade, Craig? Well, okay. So the, the New Jersey devils have a lot of good young players. And at some point in time, you're going to have to take a step forward. And I think that this is a case where Tommy Fitzgerald is looking exactly at that. He wants to add some size. He wants to say, you know, you have Jack Hughes and you have Nico Hisham, and you have Jesper Bratt. These aren't big players, right? So you want you need some size. And if you're not going to add some size there, so you just talked about Josh Anderson. If he could get the 26 pick out of Montreal plus Caden Gooley, that's going to be a hard way to say. That's going to be something that's going to be really hard to say no to, in my opinion. Really hard to say no to. And for Montreal, you know, it's pretty significant. Now, you know, how you look at it and, you know, think back, 1987. The Washington Capitals were moving along. They were a pretty decent team. They traded the 15th pick to the Quebec Nordiques for Dale Hunter. Dale Hunter became a real significant factor for the success of the Washington Capitals. The 15th pick ended up being Joe Sackett. But the Washington, and Joe Sackett didn't play a playoff game for seven more years. <laughs> and, you know, and, and then the team moved. The Washington Capitals were in a different space. And the, and the New Jersey Devils, you got to understand where you're at in the space. It's easy to look back. Oh, you look at Washington. They traded the 15th pick. They gave up Joe Sackett. No, they didn't. No, they didn't give up Joe Sackett. If they hadn't made that trade, who knows where the Washington Capitals would be playing right now? They might not be in Washington. And they needed to, they had a lot of good young players there. They had players like Scott Stevens and Bobby Carpenter and Kevin Hatcher. And they had a good group of young players. They had to show, and that's where New Jersey finds themselves. So if you could, like, honestly, if I'm Tom Fitzgerald and I can get the 26 pick, Caden Gooley and Josh Anderson, like, here, here you go. You can have my second pick. <laughs> Go have it here. <laughs> here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This is the 60th, uh, what used to be called amateur draft, NHL draft. So whoever goes first overall will be the 60th 
first overall pick in NHL history. We love the draft chat. More draft chatter still ahead. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, time now for KB on Ice, an inside look at the NHL, brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada's sportsbook, 19-plus, play responsibly. Craig, TSN and TSN.ca, we saw you, we're reading you, Craig's list is out. So you tell us what you would do, one, two, three, and if our viewers and listeners if they want to place a bet, that's up to them. It's a silly season with the draft. When have we had this much intrigue at the top? Give us Craig's list. One, two, three, go. I, I, I don't think there's a better player than Shane Wright. I, I really don't. I think that he fits perfectly with what the Montreal Canadiens are trying to do. Uh, him and Suzuki up the middle of the ice, to me, just make a terrific duo. And if you don't have strong center ice, you're not going to be successful. I, I think the Devils won the lottery twice. They won the lottery by getting up to two, and they're going to win by getting Slavkovsky if he's there. I mean, I think that he's a big, strong winger. It kind of reminds me of Pierre-Luc Dubois. I don't think that uh, Slavkovsky has the high-end uh, offensive ability. And then for the Arizona Coyotes, you know, Logan Cooley really creative centermen they can make plays and remember they drafted dylan gunther last year that could be a nice little pairing there good number one center number one right winger but that that's what i would do i, I just know what i would do and i'm not so sure you know when you start to look at teams and understand you know where you know where they have prospects and you know where they can strengthen their team just go back and look at the Tampa bay lightning i mean yeah they picked one and they took Stamkos, and they picked two and they got lucky and got headman because headman should have gone one then they took 19 they took vasileski core pieces at critical positions when you have an opportunity to draft core pieces at critical positions you better do it well said my friend well said with the most competitive odds sports interaction makes it easy to deposit play and cash out join now and see what sports betting has to offer head to sportsinteraction.com cool button pod that's sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod 19 plus play responsibly well, we promised silly season chatter that included <laughs> the draft check, that included news check. Now, right after the draft, I called it Shark Week, GM Week. It's the UFA period, the free agent frenzy. So Johnny Goodrow, 9.5 on the table, allegedly. Philip Forsberg, 8.5 on the table. You can go eight up until the witching hour. If you don't take the deal, it's seven everywhere else. Where are you on some of these big name guys? Nazem Kadri, Boston. Nazem Kadri, Washington, perhaps. Craig, nobody knows, but do the players and the agents know? Like, do we know, or it's just chitter chatter by accident over the water cooler at this time? It's not accident, Steve. It's not accident. You know, listen, at the end of the day, teams are targeting players. They're making phone calls. I mean, here's how the call would go. If, if you're Brian McClellan uh, and you want to talk to Nazem Kadri, you phone his agent and you go, geez, we'd really like to make a pitch to Nazem Kadri. Would he be interested in our team? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He likes Washington. Okay. Now the agent comes back and goes, you know what? As you talk about like a, a, a second line center, you know, that, you know, has a lot of grit to his game, you know, might be in the 29 to 31 age range. Like, what would you be willing to pay for that player? Well, you know, we 7.5 million. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at. Thank you. Hang up. 
<laughs> like, and if you don't think that that's not going on, if anybody thinks that, that that's exactly how it works, trust me, it's exactly how it works. Okay. You, you, you think free agency begins at 12 noon or whatever on, on July 13th? You think the first call is made on July 13th? And no, not a chance. Okay. And, and, and people go, well, that's tampering and everything. Well, it's, it's not tampering if it's not tampering. <laughs> right. So at the end of it all, right, I look at those two teams, Boston and Washington, and Nazem Kadri would significantly upgrade their center ice, significantly upgrade their center ice. They're good teams too. So wouldn't you think that they would interest Nazem Kadri? How about Kuznetsov and Kadri playing together? Bergeron and Kadri playing together, right? Like, like that. That's real. That's real. Like to me, I I can't see Nazem going to a team that's at that's not good. Nazem is too great a competitor. He 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 doesn't want to fiddle with the dials, and you know he he wants to make a difference in the game. And people say, oh, what about the money? Here's what I'll tell you about great competitors. They're going to get the money. But if the if if the on ice competitiveness that doesn't light their fire, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The guys that don't have competitiveness or have it in reserve or don't have a lot of it, those those are the guys that that, that, that are like there. Nazem Kadri, in my view, not a chance. Not a chance. Yeah, yeah. I, he's he's going to get the, his cake and eat it too. You know, yeah, I, mean, I agree maybe, with you. Be, yeah, there'd be slightly more in Seattle, perhaps, but not going to Seattle or going to. Arizona. Why would you want to go to Seattle? Like why? Yeah, like why? Because you're a Seahawks fan, maybe. Like, oh no, wait, why would you be a Seahawks fan anymore? They're no good either. Well, I'm I'm with you on that. If they asked me and you to be the fourth line center for a multi year deal, we would go to Seattle. But other than that, I uh, I'm with you on that. Johnny Goodrow. So eight times nine and a half, or somewhere else. You hear a lot of rumors about liking Calgary. Never heard that he didn't like Calgary. If he goes somewhere else, he might be three years behind where the Flames are right now because the Flames are good. Um, Cadre's actually on the Calgary's actually on the Cadre board here on Sports Interaction, so that would be neat if they lost Goodrow and brought in Cadre, uh, you know, winger center. But anyway, so Johnny Goodrow intrigues me because hey, is he getting more than Nas? Um, and, yes. Okay. Yes, he is. And then is he coming east? Well, I, I would imagine that if Johnny's going to leave Calgary, it's to go east. I mean, that's what I would. And don't rule out Boston there. Don't rule out Boston. Remember, he played at Boston College. <laughs> you know, he's got a lot of affinity for the Boston uh, area. So we, everybody goes, oh, New Jersey, Philadelphia. Like, like honestly, I, I'm not trying to knock anybody here, but like, why would Johnny Goudreau want to go to Philadelphia? The team's no good. Right, like, you, 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 and it's not going to be very good for a number of years. I, I, I honestly think the Philadelphia Flyers are in big trouble, big trouble. Like, I think that's a team that's just sliding backwards, sliding. Are down. you saying they're going to implode under John Tart? Like, this could be a very okay. It's not impl- no, I'm not going to say they're going to implode. I, I, I don't think they have enough good players. You, you could put Scotty Bowman, John Tortorella behind the bench. I don't think it, I don't think they're good enough. I think John Tortorella will maximize the ability of that team. To, to about 74 points. <laughs> That's what I see. <laughs> you know, a, a poor a poor coach might only get 60 points out of them. But you know, you're not getting you're not getting blood out of a stone. The Philadelphia Flyers are not very good. They're not very good. Well, there's so much intrigue. And I, I have to believe, and it's not the Flyers, but the improving devils, Sabres, yes. Sen, um, Detroit. Rangers are good. 
Rangers. Carolina is good. Florida's Islanders. Good. Tampa Bay Islanders. Good. Yeah. Yep. You know, because uh, we're the aging, not yet aging out Penguins, Capitals, if they retool, the Bruins, if they get what they want. It, it, we're not going to be at Valentine's Day with eight teams in the East that we already know, Craig. Right. We're not going to go. Agreed. Yeah. It's going to be way more tighter next year. I talk about GM week and sometimes, you know, fans, they tweet at us and they say different things. And, you know, we try to spread the peanut butter on all parts of the bread. But one of the complaints, you know, not enough about the Leafs. Okay. Kyle Dubas has been on the job for four years. Doesn't have a goalie. Is this his audit? Like if you're Shanahan and above him, and you're the ownership group, whoever it is, Rogers, Bell, Larry, there's too many people. Um, nobody's really in charge, it seems. Is this show and go time? Like, you know, if Kyle was sitting right here, this is your fifth year, haven't got out of the playoffs, you've made your bed, 82.5 is only going to 83. Maybe it's a bold move with 88. Maybe it's a bold move on the blue, like, isn't this now like how many chances does someone get? I get it. You get hired. At least give me five years. He's got four. I'm looking like, you know, I'm like Kyle. Okay, that's fine. But now it's your fifth and now it's your summer. I see Julian Breezewa making moves. I see some of the other GMs making moves. Okay. Are you a shark or you get get bitten by the sharks? I think it's a fair discussion about the Leafs, Nylander, goaltending, and Duba. So let's, I'm putting that, these chips in front of you and say, is it a fair evaluation by me to say, this is year five now? It's, you got to make tough, tough decisions. In 2017, the Colorado Avalanche were the worst team in the league by a mile. 2017. Five years later, they're Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, they had Landis Gog and they had, uh, Nathan McKinnon, and they had drafted Kale McCarr, right? Wait a second here. Is that, is that any different than what the Toronto Maple Leafs had? And, and they drafted Rampton in. Is it any different than Morgan Riley, William Nylander, Mitch Marner, <laughs> Austin Matthews? And I, I see what I, I, I don't see a team in Toronto that's capable of winning the Stanley Cup as they're constructed. I don't see a team. I don't think their defense is big enough. I don't think they have enough grind and, and d- deeper down their lineup. Uh, you know, they, they they brought in players that were very near the end of their careers and, you know, real good competitors when, when in, in their day, but couldn't play anymore. You know, while Joe Sackett is adding, you know, Darren Helm and Andrew Cogliano and Logan Connors, your fourth line, that can wreak havoc and they're quick and they're fast. Yeah, they're older, right? Like you're going to bring in Wayne Simmons and Kyle Clifford for what, for what? (laughs) Like, so now you don't have a goaltender and I don't know what's going to happen there. I'll be honest with you, Steve. I think the Toronto Maple Leafs are, 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 I don't think they're close to winning unless Kyle Dubas makes some significant moves. And uh, like, you can sit here and say, William Nylander, because it seems to be, he, he, he seems to be the lightning rod for everybody. He's also got a great contract and real productivity. I'm not so sure about the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm not, they haven't won a playoff round, Steve. They haven't won a playoff round. And I keep, and oh, they were close against Tampa Bay. Oh, luck here, luck here. Okay, great. Luck here, luck there. Well, guess what? I'd rather, I'd rather have a real significant opportunity to push ahead. Colorado, since 2017, has had 
like before they won the cup this year, had way more success than Toronto. I'm not so sure about Toronto. I'm being straightforward with you. I'm not so sure. I'll tell you what, you talk about showtime. Listen, Kyle Dubas, I see what you've done. It ain't enough. Let's see what more you got there. Because if, if you're going to continue down the same old, you, you can, there's a big difference between being a really good regular season team and being a team capable of winning in the playoffs. I know well, what the Toronto Maple Leafs are regular season playoffs. I think I also know what they are. I don't think they're good enough. And, and that's fair. And some could argue that they're very close and they're a goal away and they had a great regular season. And there's a lot to they like did. about the team. And then I look at you guys in Dallas, what you did to add something. We talked about Brennan Shanahan. The second he went to Hartford, the second I knew he wasn't staying there. Um, and But the Red Wings went and got him. We talk about, and we can go through in modern era, you know, what the Kings did in 2014 and in 2012. And the Bruins and the Blackhawks and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's not easy to go out and get that. Tom Wilson, that uh, Pat Verbeek, that Dale Hunter, or everybody would do it. I get it. And I think it's fair to say is if these guys are sitting right beside us, on July 6th, if we are in the same position, well, before that next year, uh, then you have to move off. And some people have said they will already would have done it. I think they kind of made their bed. And I think it's fair to give someone a realistic chance having gone through COVID and different scenarios. Hey, like if the team this year had missed the playoffs, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We'd be talking about person X and what they are going to do or what they've already done. Um, I think a script that's exactly the same next year will change the narrative. Missing the playoffs change the narrative. Winning and something that isn't a oiler type success may keep it the same. But I think it's fair to say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing year after year and expecting a different result. These guys are on the clock. They're not the only team. Like the Oilers needed success. They got it. Flames needed something good. They got it. Kings rebuilt. I think Rob Blake did a great job. They went from 72 to 99 points. Then he makes a major splash. Remember I talked about GMs. He makes a major offseason move. Look at Jul Julian Breeze won a different scenario. Boston's trying now. Capitals, everybody else. It's only fair to say that if it's the same thing, great regular season, finish second, lose in the first round again, you know, like they say on the playground, Maybe it's time to give someone else a try. Let me ask you, Steve, what's the difference for the Toronto Maple Leafs in 2020-21 season and the 2021-22 season? Well, we could argue nothing. Two <laughs> well, uh, great yeah, regular seasons that ended in losses. Oh, uh, they were close the year before in like a different scenario, and they were close this year. You know what? I like all I do is, is I look at teams that have been successful. You better address your needs. You better understand where your weaknesses are, and you better address your needs. Okay, Josh Manson, Nazem Kadri. You know, you, we we go back and 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 we see Tyler Toffoli. They needed a, a a right winger. You go and look at Tampa Bay. They went and added Nick Paul and 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 Brandon Hagel. You go and look at the New York Rangers. They go and add Andrew Kopp. Right? Okay. Who do the Toronto Maple Leafs add? Did they add? Did they strengthen their team? All they did was make an addition to their team. If you're not going to strengthen your team, you're not going to be a competitive team when it counts, when it matters. The Toronto Maple Leafs are a really good regular season team. I don't see them as a Stanley Cup contender. 
I don't see them as a Stanley Cup contender as currently constructed. So until Kyle Dubas shows me and makes me change my mind, I'm not changing my mind. And that's fair. And that's fair. And really, going into the past, they'd love to wave their magic wand right now and have a 21-year-old Wendell Clark playing with 16 and oh, 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 right? oh, oh, oh. Then there's a difference maker. So they, they know that they don't have any sandpaper. What they do in Shark Week will determine if they use that type of grit to go on a different run. So consider it. No success really since Pat Quinn and Pat Burns and Cliff Fletcher. Those teams had grit and character. There is something about this group that is unlikable, that is unlikable when it really gets down to the playoffs. Final thought. Let me say this to you. I got to say this to you real quick. I'm, I'm doing this show today from Kingston. They could use a Doug Gilmore type. Oh, didn't they have somebody in Nazem Kadri? Oh, I digress. UltimateHockeyFans.com. Go to the website. Use our code ultimatehockeyfans.com forward slash cool button pod for your ceiling and puck light fixtures. Craig, the next time we see each other, it'll be face to face in Montreal as the draft here isn't silly season great. Final thoughts for episode 80. Focus on the draft. You know, the Montreal Canadiens were the first overall pick. You know, I, I, I really believe this. I've said it a few times. You know, they're going to they're gonna draft a really good player. You know, it doesn't matter who, who I might think is the best player and who I think would fit best there. If, if, if they choose Shane Wright or they choose Gary Slavkovsky or they choose Logan Cooley, they're getting a really good player. And keep in mind, it's one player. It's one player. And you're going to have to do a lot of other things with your, with your roster to, to, to support those players. You know, I talk about, you know, the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, they drafted McKinnon. But they drafted Rantanen, and they drafted Makar, and they drafted other really good players in other parts of the draft. They drafted Alex Newhook. He became a, a real contributor. Bottom line is, it's not about one player. It, it, it's exciting and everything, and the Montreal, and Montreal fans should be excited. But at the end of the day, it's one player. They're going to get a good player. But it'll be fun to watch all the intrigue. To me, when you have this type of intrigue, this type of suspense, there's no better place to have it than right in Montreal. The 60th draft. This is the 27th in Montreal. A lot, a lot of little draft tidbits that go back to the first televised draft, the first time they moved the draft and, and everything else. And you're right. In the American sports, one player makes a bigger difference because in their sports, one player starts with the ball almost on every single play. On every single play, basically the best player gets the ball. Not in hockey. It's a battle right from the beginning, and that's what makes our sport great. And the worldness of our sport, if it is Uri Slavkovsky, Slovakia is very likable. There might be three Slovaks in the first round. That is great. If it's Uri Slavkovsky and he makes history over Marion Gabrick, then that's something to celebrate in this great Canadian game that we've taken around the world. So if it is the big Slovakian winger who's at World Junior, Olympic, and World Championship time, God bless him. The one thing we know is we've got drama and more drama to come on episode 81. For Craig Button, doot doot, at Via Rail, Bruce Button in it, uh, Bruce, Bruce Bolton in his brand new Oshawa home, I'm Steve Coolies. We'll see you in Montreal, and then we'll see you for episode 81. Be safe. <laughs>